Welcome to another episode of Capital Roots, brought to you by Capital Farm Credit, where we bring you the experts in the ag industry. In addition to a few Texas legends along the way, we're your hosts, Joe Patronella and Clint Cryer. Thank you for listening. Now let's get back to our roots. Welcome back to another episode of Capital Roots. Today, we are pleased to have Drew and Bo Stevens with Pleasure Lake Farms out of Texas and New Mexico. Welcome, y'all. Thank you. Hey, thanks for We're having happy us. happy to be here. We're so glad to have y'all. Y'all are fun folks. Uh, tell us a little bit about your operation. All right. Where yeah. to start, right? <laughs> Where to it, start? It's pretty expansive as I understand it. It so. is, yes, yeah. I saw Bo checking for acceptance already. <laughs> This is hey, going to be fun. We're, we've been married for 17 years, and that doesn't happen by accident. So always check for permission. <laughs> Intentional. Yeah. Intentional. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I grew up in agriculture, grew up uh, in Texaco. And then I wanted to get far away, so I went four hours to Abilene Christian University. Okay. And then Bo grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Big really? city boy. Yes. Atlanta, hot Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. And he wanted to get away really far from home. And he went 20 hours out to Abilene. <laughs> so, you know, that explains a little bit about both of us, of uh, our comfort levels of sure. getting away from home and new things. But uh, I was ag business major. Same. Yeah. I was running the farm and ranch for Abilene Christian University, and I was one of the first women to do it. And so that was exciting. And Bo was a youth and family ministry major at ACU. We met there, uh, both love uh, sports and kind of on the intramural fields and met there. And then we got married uh, at the end of my uh, graduation and he was a year ahead of me in school. And he says to me, hey, I think I wanna try farming. And I was like, I just, I really laughed. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's awesome. That's really good for a guy's confidence, by the way. You say you want to do something and your wife just laughs at you. (laughs) I was like, well, I mean, you don't really know what farming is. It'd be awesome because I would love to go back to the farm, but just really didn't think that was in our cards. But I was like, well, you better go home, work for my dad for two weeks. I'm not going with you. See what you think. Right. (laughs) And then let me know. Yeah. Uh After that. So you want to tell them kind of your experience from that point on? Yeah. So I went and uh, worked with her dad and uh, just did the daily uh, jobs that he always does and just asked a lot of questions and looked for where some opportunities may be and came back from that and told Drew that I really enjoyed it. I have no clue if I want to do this long term or not, but I know I don't want to pass up an opportunity to give it a try. So I don't want to be sitting here 20 years later wondering what if I if I had tried it or if it had worked out. So we pulled the plug uh, and went ahead and moved out to Texaco and I started working for her dad. And so over the last 15 or so years, 16 years now, uh, we've uh, I grew in how I uh, learned from him became a part of his operation. And then ultimately we've branched off and done our own thing over the last 10 or so years. And it's been really great. We've really enjoyed it. It's been a fun ride. So let me ask you a question, having not grown up in agriculture, because so many of us are, are ingrained in that and generationally in that, what has been that experience like? Just it's your day to day now and you had nothing prior to that. Has that changed how you view it or changed how you view prior 
you know, grocery store or just eating or anything like that. Yeah. Cause I would say growing up in a city, I had no opinion or view on agriculture. It just sure. wasn't a part of my life. You don't and think about it. You, yeah, exactly. And so certainly I think about it all the time now and you see, and you hear from other people. So we, we live in a community with an air force base. So we get people from all over the world, literally that come into our community that we interact with at church and the community, uh, at the store. And so when they find out that I farm, it's amazing to just hear how many people say like, Oh man, like it's amazing to think like, I've never thought where my food comes from or where my beef comes from. And they, put my face on that now. And they, they make that connection because they were like me. They'd never made that connection before that. Oh, our food comes from somewhere and we're a very small part of that process. That's really cool. It's a different perspective. I mean, cause yeah. not all of us, I mean, really, if you look at the people that work at capital farm credit and, you know, I think that's a different perspective in that, you know, we've, a lot of us have kind of grown up in agriculture and don't really know any different, but at the same time, because we don't have the perspective that you have, we can't necessarily communicate it and educate people in the best way. Yeah. And I mean, especially in Texas, Texas is generally a, a fairly agriculture state. Even in the cities, people have a tie. My, my uh, aunt and uncle farm or they raise cattle. And so you have a lot of those connections in Texas. So it is a really unique experience coming uh, outside the context of Texas coming in. And I remember when I first got to Abilene Christian University. So before I ever went there from Atlanta, Georgia, I thought that people rode horses in Abilene, Texas. Okay, they do, but... To know. school. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was... Uh, a when I went to do my uh, visit, I was like, oh, like they have cars and stuff here. It's not just all dirt roads and uh, horses. So maybe a little naive coming from the city, uh, but it's been a neat experience to integrate. And people ask me all the time, oh, do you miss you know Atlanta or the city? Or And I just tell them every time, not one bit. I, I, we step out on my back porch and we look at that sunset and we say, you don't, you don't get this anywhere in Atlanta, Georgia. And, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. Yeah. That's wonderful. Definitely. So Drew, I've got to go back to, I had a question that I thought of as, as Bo was talking when, so when he makes this declaration to you that he wants to farm and you're having the thoughts go through your head that, that went through your head. I'm curious when you had that conversation with your parents, <laughs> how did that go? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Fortunately, they've loved me from day one, so it was an easy sell, right, Drew? Yes, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, now, I knew uh, my dad and Bo are a little bit different in personality, and if y'all, you came to visit the barn and the farm, mm -hmm. and you see how clean and organized it is, and just... I was thinking, huh, this is not the way I grew up. And it's not that my dad isn't organized or um, does a really good job farming. He just operates a little differently. I operate a little bit differently than that. And I just thought about even having to adapt to the weather and that playing a role in your job every day and having to be adaptable to those things, work around those things. I really didn't know if Bo would like that or not, just based off his personality. And coming from a background of having control over those things and being able to plan out things, you know? And so I was like, I can see the good and where Bo, what he would bring to it. But it also was a little bit nerve wracking. I'm just like, I don't know how this is going to go. Well, it's bringing together two generations, which is always hard. I mean, my dad and I fight like cats and dogs on our operation, but then it's 
a, an in-law. That's a whole nother thing. So it is. I mean, my dad was really excited to have someone interested in the farm and wanting to come back. And he was excited for us to come back. I think he also knew our operation was not big enough to really support two families for the long term. And so I know that was a part of his thought process is like, well, what is this going to look like? Do I have something to offer to them for the future? Are they going to want to farm with me forever? Is it going to be separate? I mean, there were just all those same questions that you get across the board from generation to generation right now. And how is that going to work? So we came back and I mean, Bo's working for him every day. And then uh, when we came back, I knew I wanted to be in agriculture, but I really didn't know what opportunities were out there. And that's when I started working for a farm credit as a loan officer. I really didn't have finance background, except that I knew I liked finance and besides your college classes that you take. Um, But what I did, I started working there. I really was fortunate that it was... um, a lot that were about to retire. So I got to jump into a large loan portfolio and learn all different types of operations. And that was exciting to me to see that like, oh, wow, it doesn't have to be a certain way. Like everyone is doing something a little bit different. And I learned to appreciate that. It was a little bit challenging of like the question of what was it like to be a woman coming into ag and as a loan officer. And that was a little challenging. I had to earn my way in and respect, but everyone was pretty, um, good to be like, Oh, okay. You can talk the farm talk, you know, a little bit about what you're talking about. And that went a long way, but I also was just listening, wanting to learn about their operations came in a way. I feel like that was respectable to them, you know, and eager to learn. And they were really eager to share. You know, they wanted to share their knowledge. They wanted to share about their operations and they were excited to see someone come in there and go like, wow, this is really impressive. I mean, we all want that. And uh, I really loved my experience there and I really learned a lot from that. Well, I'm glad you touched on that and and your experience as a woman in ag because the second that you mentioned you ran and you were the first woman to, or one of the first women, I don't remember, the the farm and ranch at ACU, that was that's huge for me and the fact that you grew up doing it and yet I feel still sometimes there is a barrier to women in ag or just being taken seriously or whatnot but if you do have those bona fides I mean I I feel like there is that barrier is taken down a bit I personally can't speak to that so I really thank you for doing that yeah yeah Yeah, so I'm curious what uh, from your perspective what some of those barriers might be and if they're perceived or if they're natural if they're just ingrained in society and within you know the sphere of agriculture, what your opinions might be. Yeah, I think from the beginning of running the farm and ranch, I mean, it's a lot of physical labor out there and you're running tractors, you're hooking up plows um, and just learning how to do that. I mean, there is a physical part of it that is more difficult for women and it's not that you can't do it, it, but, um, you know, and even be able to go to the part store and be like, hey, I need this, you know, PTO. I'm going to need this part, this replacement. And they kind of look at you like, do you actually know what you're talking about? You know? Yes. Yeah, your husband in the car. Could he tell us for sure yeah, what you, you know, need? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, can I talk to your boss or whatever? And so there was this level of like, I, I do know what I'm talking about. PTO, that's but, paid time off, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. hey, that's where this office worker's mind went. Yeah. So uh, there is that part of it. Um, also, just I think people's initial reaction to you of just like, wait, who are you? What are you doing? And just just not used to it. 
Like mm-hmm. you're going into a store that's mostly all men coming in there. Mm-hmm. But I never um, had a, a bad experience in that way. Good. Um, so it was really good. And I, I enjoyed it. I was used to growing up in that environment where it's mostly agriculture and a lot of men. So and I think fun. it's neat to see that when she did that, she obviously stepped down from that to move uh to go back to the farm at Texaco when we did. And so for her, she was that uh, first person who broke that barrier of a female kind of running the farm and ranch out there. And it was neat to see the person who took her place was another female because that barrier had already come down. And it was like, well, if Drew could do it, then this other really qualified woman could do it as well, surely. And I I thought that was really neat to see how Drew's just kind of blazing trails and, and making a way for people behind her as well. I, Drew's a little level that some of us can never get to, but I'm glad you did break that barrier. So. <laughs> For sure. Good I don't job. know about that. Thanks. <laughs> so she mentioned something I got to talk to you about, Joe. She mentioned the barn. And if you haven't been to the barn, the barn game that, that Bo has is pretty dang awesome. Yeah. Like, it's so good that it, I think it inspired me to either start an Instagram account or maybe even an amateur magazine of like... Are you an influencer per, now, Clint? Well, I don't, I don't know that. But if you saw this barn, it would be influencing. Okay. It's uh it's been a lot of fun. We uh you start out building a barn and you think, Okay, I need to store all this equipment and in the winter I'd like to work on this equipment and somehow by the end we have a full fledged like high end kitchen and bathroom in there and toys everywhere inside that barn and all my equipment still outside. So I'm not sure what good the barn is, but we have a lot of fun out there. So, but it doesn't sound like a barn dominium. It just sounds like a really upscale barn. Yeah, it's That's such right. a, it's a cool barn. Like it's so okay. cool that I've I've awakened at night in cold sweat thinking, man, my barn just doesn't measure up. Clint has major barn FOMO for your barn. It's really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds great. Like really organized, really kind of yeah, nice. I, I like think that. before we were talking about how you guys are a little bit OCD maybe. And Absolutely, so you yes. could, we could all share a barn together for okay. sure because yeah. you got to hang that 9 16th on the 9 16th spot. Okay. Everything has its Amen. place. Everything's got a place. for 9 16th. There has to be four and four. It couldn't be like. That's yeah. exactly it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Lots of symmetry, lots of yep. even numbers. Yep, I like it. I so like I, your barn. I got to ask you, though, with that OCD, say you're working on a, a, a cotton stripper, a tractor, or a plow or something. Do you ever just throw a wrench across the barn? <laughs> yeah, and then you go pick it up immediately, wipe it off. And then it's wrong. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, so my organization usually starts off well until I have the first project and you know how it is. You're never, you never have what you want when you not want, or you grab the wrong wrench off the wall. You grab the nine sixteenths instead of the seven eights or, or whatever it is. You get underneath the plow, you get yourself contorted to where you can actually get to that bolt or whatever you've got to work on. And then you've got the wrong thing. And then you're like, gosh, dang it. I've got to get out of here and go get the different, a different tool. Bo has a really good idea, actually, to solve this, that he thinks he should be called the fanny pack farmer. And... No, I don't think I should be called the fanny pack farmer. I think the name may be Drew's idea. So, wait, you mentioned influencer before, and I was like, I have zero social media presence right now. And so the idea was, if I were to be, be on social media... I already have my handle on everything. It's the fanny pack farmer because it's alliterative. I haven't even tried it yet, but Drew, you shouldn't bring this stuff up on a podcast where other people can steal my ideas. Let's go reserve it right now. Heather, can you help us? Yes. Heather, can we get Heather's over here? Social media expert. She's going to get that for me. Fanny pack farmer. But 
you just, should have a fanny pack all the time with just you. Just know that our listeners do not sign non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> uh, we got a legal guy here, Joe. <laughs> yeah. le- legal, what recourse do we have if somebody steals that? You have now signed a non-disclosure agreement by listening to this podcast yes. That's a, uh, retroactively. That's the in-house <laughs> lawyer there, so don't even try it. But uh, yeah, if you have a fanny pack on, like, I mean, we're putting these giant phones and wallets and keys and all this in our pockets. Ply, yeah, I have pliers on my hip all the time. I mean, Unless this is... Unless you're wearing a, carpenter pants, it's just not, yeah. it's not good. And as a man, you can't carry a purse, like, you know, but the closest thing you can get to a purse is a fanny pack that, you know, in cities it's acceptable. I just don't know about uh, West Texas. <laughs> this is the thing I love about Bo, is that he's always willing to think outside the box. Like, it doesn't have to be the norm. He we, is always... And this... Really comes across in our business as well. You have to. I was going to say you have to be when you're working in ag. You do, yeah. And I am both excellent at it. And he's always willing to research, find the best way. Um, just think of like, well, what other options do we have? Um, he's not just one to like, oh, let's try this new idea, this new idea. But he is willing to be like, I think there could be a better way to do something, you know. And that was a silly example, but. In all reality, he's really good at that. Yeah, and Drew's really good at segues, as you could tell. So yep, she brought yeah. us back from fanny packs. Good job, Drew. <laughs> Thank you. Another segue. So when y'all went from you working with her father to y'all kind of getting into your own and, and doing pleasure, like what was that like and, and how did that look? Yeah, I think I'm pretty passionate about this part of things because when we moved back, we didn't know what the 10 year plan was. There was no way to set that out. And I, I'd love to have a 10 year plan all the time. And so that was uncomfortable, but that was just a necessity. Mm-hmm. And so I what it's was kind of impossible to have a 10 year plan all the time. Life just changes. It is. It always does. And like, like Drew said, adaptability and flexibility are some of the things I've learned more than anything through farming. And that goes with your long-term plans as well. And mm-hmm. so uh, we didn't know what what would happen. But the the thing that we continue to point at is our, our faith is a big part of who we are and where we come from and where we've gotten. And we just see time and time again that God continued to present opportunities and open doors where we needed to move. And so that was just huge for us because we wanted to work as hard as we could to prepare a future for ourselves and something that was sustainable long-term, but we didn't have all the answers. We just didn't. And so we were able to just honestly take advantage of opportunities that came up. And we thought uh, one of our biggest opportunities early on was an offer to buy a lot of land for a whole lot of money. And we had nothing to our names. I was still working for her dad. And uh, we were just, you know, for me, I was like, well, maybe this is our opportunity. And true as a banker, she's over there saying it's not an opportunity because we don't have money. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, well, that you're getting stuck in the details there. You know, it's still a great opportunity. Who needs money? Uh But she was right. She was very right that it was way too expensive, but we had an opportunity. And so, um, but to Drew's point, how we try to think outside the box, Drew was like, well, we can't afford to buy it, but we also have this connection that has been wanting us to farm for them. And it was a local dairy that wanted to buy land. They had been looking for land. And so we just 
parlayed this land opportunity over to them. And then we automatically had a uh, custom uh, farming business that we opened shop with for this dairy. So this dairy had no interest to farm. I loved farming and they wanted us to farm for them. And so they bought the land. We started to custom farm it after buying some equipment. And uh, from there, opportunities came up and we were able to purchase land and, and uh, pick up leases and all kinds of stuff. And so it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, and a few details about that of like where we started was buying a tractor. And um, through my banking experience, I was like, okay, we can apply through with FSA. They have these great where we don't have to have a huge down payment for things. Mm -hmm. And then we could apply for the operating loan through the farm credit bank local there. And so, you know, that's a hundred thousand operating line and a hundred fifteen thousand dollar tractor. And, you know, and, and then we would lease the plows from my dad, you know, um, for our custom stuff for a little bit. And it was just a slower way to get into it. Incrementally, sure. Yes. But it was like, okay, there's still opportunity there. It doesn't mean we just can't get into it until you fully can jump all in. And that's what I would want people to learn about and see the different programs and the opportunities that are out there for young beginning small farmers of like, okay, what, what are the doors that can open to us and what ways can we get into it yeah. that I am really passionate about? I want these educational tools for them to get out there because I was learning financial statements, cash flows, how to project out, you know, one year, but also five years. How do you make an operation profitable and, and maintain that with having to be adaptable and change all the time? And yes, we want to build up. We want to have our own equipment line and we knew we needed to start there. And once we kind of got our name out there and made some connections with different relationships that we had through the bank and just local farmers, uh, we could start that process. But so it doesn't I think have to happen overnight. It can it be doesn't happen that's overnight. A, that's, yeah. That's what we were talking. We had some a young couple over, military couple over last night for dinner. And he was asking me, you know, how did you get started and all this? And I was like, well, it was a really long process. And so when we buy that first tractor, we also bought a, uh, a chisel chopper and we bought a planter, but they were very used, but still in decent shape. And it's like, you just start where you can and afford what you can and know that you can, you can make it work. And then, you know, even if, you know, a biggest barrier to entry for agriculture for everybody, as we all know, is if you didn't grow up in it, it's really hard to get started. And so I had a connection of my father-in-law that we could lease his equipment, but I would encourage people to like, go to your neighbor and, and go to people. They're, they're going to be willing to lease some of their equipment out. And if that neighbor's not, then the next neighbor will. And so just finding creative ways where you don't have to, to get started in agriculture, you don't have to get a $10 million loan, buy all of your equipment and buy all the land. There's a lot of ways to get in. And I just love that we obviously lucked into, and I think God blessed us with a great way to get in. But to Drew's point, there's all kinds of programs and opportunities and connections to be made to help you bridge that gap from starting to actually having a running operating business. I think you make a good point with the neighbors there because, you know, we are, a lot of us, blessed and quite frankly privileged to have grown up into it but um i I could see where i'll use the term outsiders that didn't grow up into it might be afraid to to reach out to somebody and ask because ag folks kind of keep to their own you know you know the people you know but it's at a point where 
young beginning and small farmers are so needed that they would, I believe, do that and probably are doing that. So that's a really, really good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those of us in the ag industry, we need to recognize that. And this isn't a cutthroat uh, type of operation. We need to be helping one another because to your point, if we want that younger generation coming back and continuing what's been done for hundreds of years, We've got to help one another out and, and be willing to offer that olive branch of like, hey, we want to we want to help you get started. Mm-hmm. And really, there were several different times um, in our years that we've had people just say like, we see we want young, beginning, small farmers. We see that you're hard workers, and they really gave us that olive branch, and it was huge for us. I mean, yeah. we are still just eternally thankful for those opportunities that just took someone having a little bit of faith in us, you know, and same thing with capital farm credit. They've just been wonderful to like believe in us, uh, support us. You know, our loan officer was like, Hey, y'all don't have any capital, (laughs) but I can see where you want to go. And we were able to present a solid plan. You know, that was the other part of it is that people can't just come into it and be like, I want to do this but they don't have anything to really offer or a plan. And that's where I want them to have access to those tools. And they started a new program or or Capital has just put it on their website called Ag Biz Basics. And it's just, you can apply and you can learn how to build a financial statement. You can build a cash flow, and you can bring those things to the bank. And that's what I wanna see. I, I think at the beginning when I was a loan officer, more often than not, the borrower came in, sat down and was like, okay, what do you need? And it was just verbally telling me mm-hmm. kind of the things. And I had to put everything together for them. And and that's okay, but it's not the best for your own business. It's you need to have a plan. You need to know these numbers. You want to see the margins. Mm-hmm. And that's where going forward now, we can even see the difference of now versus then with having those long-term plans, having a goal in mind is those decisions become much easier because you go, is there a margin there? Is it a profitability that is worth my time? Because time becomes mm. your limiting factor. Time whereas, is more important than money. Yes, yep. it is. And 100%. so, but when you're younger, you don't almost realize that. Correct. And so, you know, there's just different things that you learn over the years that if you could go back and tell yourself those things, you know, a lot of decisions may even been easier. Yep. So as you guys talked, it made me think that, you know, and kind of question if we consider that one of the barriers to entry for the next generation of agriculture, if it's not just culturally in the way that we view things. And so to the point of, you know, I think I thought back to you talking about getting into farming, you're talking about Drew, you know, that, that first opportunity that you had, Drew had her banker hat on. And one of the things that I would say is, you know, most normal people are, innocent until proven guilty kind of people, but bankers in a lot of way are guilty until proven innocent. And so to that end, I think for what drew, what you're talking about with ag biz and just understanding the business much better and being able to illustrate that you've got to sell yourself in in some respect and not expect number one, that you're going to be go from zero to 5,000 acres, you know, Mm -hmm. day one, but have a plan on how you're going to get into that, what your goals are. And like you said, a 10 year plan, there's yeah. not many people that actually come to the banker with a long-term plan. Well, and just because you come with a plan to your banker doesn't mean that they're super excited and on board. I want to share just a quick story uh, that kind of ties in with that. So one of our biggest breaks we ever had in agriculture was we had uh, been back for about seven years at that point. We had started the custom farming side of things. 
and we had a little bit of leased ground, but things hadn't really picked up um, in a large way yet. And I was working on, I was out front in front of my father-in-law's barn and I was working on a, a plow that I had trying to replace parts. And I got a call. I was underneath something, you know, kind of like you were saying, you got the wrong wrench under there. I was underneath <laughs> something. I was sweaty. It was hot. I wish you had and that fanny pack. wish I had my phone in a fanny pack instead of my pocket, you know, and, but the phone was ringing and I was like, oh, let me see who this is. And so I pick it up and it's Phil Peabody, which, uh, you guys know Phil Peabody. He works, uh, with capital. And I was just an acquaintance with Phil at that time, but, um, he called and he said, Hey Bo, I've got some people coming to look at a dairy down there that they're going to potentially purchase, but they're coming in from Minnesota, South Dakota area, and they need somebody to just show them around. And he said, is it okay if I just kind of connect you with them and you can show them around? And so I said, yeah, absolutely. The dairy was just down the road from our house. And so Phil made that connection for us. Well, out of that comes in a very roundabout long story way, we got a 500 acre lease of what is still to this day, some of our most productive ground that we have. And that was because somebody connected us with somebody else and just made that connection. And, and to our point we made earlier, this other entity, this corporation gave us young, small beginning farmers an opportunity to lease and, and raise, uh, raise silage on ground that was very profitable because they saw an opportunity to help somebody out. And also for them, they would have feed coming off of those fields from us. And so for us, it was this big break in our, in our career. And so we quickly kind of run the numbers, like taking over 500 acres, but it's, you know, really productive. It's going to take a lot of inputs to make this work. And so we go to our banker and we say, we've got great news, Gary, we've got 500 more acres that we're going to be farming all on our own. And we only need to triple our operating line. <laughs> and so we had a great plan. We had it all cash flowed and mapped out for him, but uh, it took him just a second to kind of wrap his head around the numbers because, you know, now we were starting to step into the big leagues from where we had been. But um, because of those existing relationships, he saw that we had a plan. He saw that it was well thought out that we had, already, you know, uh, made these types of plans in the past and followed through on them. And so, uh, he was willing to, you know, continue, uh, continue that and extend the line of credit that would support what we were trying to take on. So it's neat to see how those things work together, but don't think that you're not going to give your banker a slight heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> well, that goes to the power of relationships of y'all's hard work and, uh, relationship with your other good banker it's just everything can gel together just when it needs to you know mm -hmm. yeah, definitely yeah that experience becomes a huge part of it as well but i would say also uh, like you just see so many people with a lot of ideas but they're more hobby like farming versus a profitable farming you know model and uh, we even have to ask ourselves those questions today like hey is this something that we just want to do and it sounds great and even it could be teaching others you know like all the pros and cons there but when it gets down to the end of it you're asking like can this be profitable can it make money yep because you can't keep doing it if it's not and so um you know that becomes a lot of our decisions out there and i would just encourage people to ask themselves that of like what is your passion behind this what is your long-term plan to make sure this works yeah, it, it could be great and you could love it, but is it going to be so time consuming and take so much that in the end, you know, it just wasn't worth it. Yep. So. yep. so Bo, you're from 
Atlanta, correct? Yep, yep. You a Braves fan? Very much so. All Atlanta sports. So uh, Atlanta Hawks, so. Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Falcons, and Georgia Bulldogs. I thought which so. That won't go over real well around here with all the Aggies, but anyways, we... <laughs> Well, you're in the right place. Uh, there's not near as many Aggies as there here as they are there are where we would normally record this. Yeah, that's right. Here in Lubbock, uh, we've got a lot of Red Raider fans, which we've got. We're so close to Lubbock that uh, we're honorary Tech fans as well. We uh, come to quite a few basketball games with some friends, so we we enjoy uh, supporting the Red Raiders, who are what I would consider our hometown team. We appreciate that. We appreciate absolutely, that. definitely. So, Drew, I assume you're a sports fan as well? I am, yes. Yeah? But I didn't grow up watching a lot of pro sports. Mm -hmm. And so, Bo was fortunate enough that I was just like, yeah, Braves, let's go, you know? And like anything, Atlanta, you know, the, the Hawks and the Falcons and... So those became my teams, and really he got to take me to all my first experience of going to anything pro, and I was like, this is amazing. You <laughs> That's know? pretty and cool. so I love that. Yeah, I've seen it. a lot of marriages struggle with those different sports allegiances, <laughs> and it's been a real blessing to have uh, unity on our allegiances, so it's great. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, kind of Drew got you into agriculture. You got her into sports? That's it. Yeah. I think uh, we owe each other a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's good. That's good stuff. I'm a sports fan myself. I get accused from time to time of using too many sports analogies, but I, I just don't get it. I mean, you just made a pretty hard right on that podcast about sports. I don't, I don't see it either. So do you guys have kids? We got four kids oh, wow. uh, and they're all girls. And, you know, you were asking earlier about you get the wrong wrench and you're stuck under the plow. That's when I say, hey, one of you kids, go grab that seven eights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. You can't see him. You don't know. And, you know, yeah, you're just going to be willing to get it. That's a great identifier. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be a 50-50 chance I even remember their name on the spot anyways. Is any parent with multiple kids? No, you just start saying names until you get to the right one. <laughs> Yeah. Are they all named the same letter or the first, first letter of their names the same? No, no. Okay. No. We have, we have pretty original names for each of them, but yeah. our, our oldest is braid. Our second is Kate. And then we have Jude and then we have Wells as our last one. Jude. So they're, they're all between seven and 13. So they're all very helpful ages uh, for the most part. Yeah. It's been exciting though to even see like our oldest thinks she wants to take over the farm right now. She's 13. That's great. You know, They're already and shown interest. Yeah, Definitely. she really enjoys working with Bo and like going out and, uh, you know, they all have different personalities, different things they love, but just knowing the opportunities that she's going to have out there are really exciting. And we'd love that for them. I love for all of our kids, and um, this isn't unique to our kids, but we were talking about barriers and in, into agriculture for women specifically, we were talking about, but like our kids don't even acknowledge that there are barriers, period. And I love that about kids, that there yes. are no barriers for them. They're like, I think I want to be an astronaut, or I think I want to farm, or I think <laughs> I want to be a teacher, I think I want to be a race car driver, like... It's all on the table for them, and I absolutely love that. And I love for our oldest specifically that when she talks about wanting to be in agriculture or to take over a farm or to start her own thing, that's incredibly practical and real and tangible, and she's seen it from her own mother. And so I just love that that's a, a dream uh, that's inside of our kids that I, I hope never goes away for our kids. Kids have that ability. It, they can be realistic, but they also they're optimistic. Yep. The world hasn't hit them yet. You know, 
But That's right. Sometimes when I'm not able to think past a problem, I think, how would you have thought of this as a kid to get all the negativity mm-hmm. out? Yep. I mean that. I think that's a, we should think like kids sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. we feel very blessed to get to raise our kids on the farm and the lifestyle that we have. And um, they have to learn some hard lessons, you know, yeah, that yeah. we're teaching them already. And, you know, one of them was the story, uh, our oldest, I told her, you know, okay, we're going to, you can buy these chickens, you can sell the eggs, you can save up enough of the egg money to buy your first uh, heifer to show in the local fair. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Well, then, you know, she starts figuring out like, oh, this is a lot of work for a little bit of money and it's going to take me a long time to get there. But she's starting to add up those egg sales. And then she decides one day, she's like, you know, I don't really feel like cleaning out the chicken coop. I'm going to just pay one of my sisters to do that. (laughs) Well, she doesn't account for like, okay, she got 20 bucks or something from egg sales, you know, that week. And so she just offers one of her sisters, I'll pay you 20 bucks to clean the chicken coop. And so her sister was like, yeah. I'll do that, you know, not really realizing the amount of work that would be. But then when Braid gets in the week, I'm like, hey, where's your money for the feed? She's like, I don't have anything. (laughs) And I was like, where did it all go? She's like, well, I paid my sister to clean the coop. (laughs) And I was like, well, that's a problem. I was like, now you're going to have to take a loan to buy the feed to feed your chickens so you can get more eggs, you know? And it's just, it's funny just even having to learn those little things of like, I was like, you have to, you know, calculate how much the cost is to pay someone else to do the work you don't want to do. And it's just been good little learning experiences for them. And, and they, they work hard on the farm. They do, you know, they're excited to go back to school. And one of them told their teacher, you know, the teacher was like, oh, when are, are were you ready to come back? She's like, since the day we got out. <laughs> and her teacher was I like. I a summer break. Oh, I have a summer job. Yes. Yeah. You know, and they were like, yeah, it's way easier to come to school than to work on the farm. And the teacher kind of laughed at her, you know, but she was like, oh, I'm serious. It's yep. true. You know, and, and they ask us questions all the time. How come all our friends go to the pool? every day (laughs) and we work you know and I was like because you live on a farm (laughs) you know and and it's good you know they have a great life they love it but they also realize like there's a lot of work that goes into it and it's we don't get to choose when that work is and that's a huge part of it you learn the seasons you learn like okay when there's sunlight we can work Mm. you know and then the winters we luckily get to take off quite a bit of time and we really try to keep that as part of our operation for right now. But, you know, it's just a valuable thing to, to learn that and love. There's a a season of rest and there's a season of working. And then you get to see the fruits of your labor when the harvest, they're excited for harvest time because they know at the end of harvest, we get to rest, you know? And so it's just, we love that a part of our lives and we love sharing that with other people and, and they seem to really uh, get to be a part of that. That's good Fantastic. stuff. Yeah. That's good stuff. So I'm curious, I got to ask you, you both a question. Like I would like for both of you to kind of answer this, but new, new to ag or, you know, starting, you know, in this, I guess you're multi-generational. Bo would not be. But if you were to give three pieces of advice to a new, young, young, yeah, farmer, farm couple, however you want to refer to them, what, what would those three pieces of advice be? Number one, get a fanny pack. <laughs> hey, I didn't ask you what colors are fanny pack. I don't have one yet. <laughs> this is a this it's on is, the Christmas list. Yeah, it's on the Christmas list. <laughs> no, I think I think one of the the first things we touched on this earlier, and I, I think it's crucial, 
is is basically pacing yourself. You don't go from zero to 5,000 acres. You don't go from zero equipment to $3 million of equipment. And so really just pace yourself and be patient. Be ready to pounce on any opportunity that comes, but be patient. Because I know for us, it's so easy to want to force the issue, to get the next land deal, to buy the next thing, whatever it is. But be patient and make sure it's it's wise and it's in good time. Yeah. You're up, number two. All right. I'd piggyback off that a little bit of like expectations is kind of what Bo's talking about. And I'm going to steal from him of something we talk about in marriage all the time is communication and being able to talk about those things. I mean, you're communicating with your banker, your neighbors, your spouse, you know, whoever your, your business partner, um, good communication on those things. And the expectations come into that because then you can do the, the goal setting where we want to be, you know, and make sure you're on the same page, because I think that's where stuff starts falling apart a lot of times is you just, you think you're going in the same direction and you're not. Yep. Yep. And then number three, uh, I think without a doubt relationships, it has time and time again proven to be at the core of who we are, who our operation is and where we're at today. Everything goes back to relationships. I, things is, you know, I remember, um, our banker here, uh, Gary Patterson from Capital called us several years ago and he said, Hey, we've got a, uh, a national corn producers, uh, conference that's coming up and we love to send you guys if you'd want to go. And I remember Jerry and I were like, well, you know, getting away from the kids would be great, but I don't know. We don't, we've never done a lot of conferences, so I don't know if we should go. And ultimately being away from the kids won out. And so we went to the conference, but it was phenomenal. It, it was fantastic because we connected with people from all across our region. And honestly, one of the family, one of the families that we connected with while we were there are still some of our best friends to this day. And I talked to this guy on a weekly basis at minimum about farming, about uh, marketing, all kinds of stuff. And so those are the types of things. And we're here in, in Lubbock for a agri roots conference that Capital's putting on. And it's those kind of things where you make those connections and relationships and they pay dividends in the future. And you don't do, you don't become friends or, uh, you're not neighborly to get something from somebody, but it just naturally happens when yep. you have those relationships. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. Those are great. Yep. For sure. We really appreciate you guys being with us today. I yeah. thought we had a really good conversation. This was fun. Yeah. This yeah. Been fun. Thank y'all so much. For yeah, sure. We really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I think there's a lot of young farmers out there that will definitely benefit from the conversation, probably as well as some, maybe some old farmers. Yeah. <laughs> All around. You never know. <laughs> so. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Capital Roots. Texas agriculture is the foundation of our story and what makes us family. Capital Farm Credit is a proud member of the farm credit system. We finance farmers, ranchers, agricultural producers, and rural landowners, and we're here to make your vision a reality. We've been serving rural Texas for more than a century. Whether it be traditional, innovative, or lifestyle, we'll help you cultivate new ground. We're all in this together. Because together, we're better. <laughs>